0: Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics.
1: Holy cow, what a big time defensive play! No holds barred. I paid a fool. It's the Fizz 5! Five. Five. five! five! Welcome to another edition of Fizz 5 as we break down the five most pressing topics around the Syracuse sports stratosphere with Carter bainbridge I'm Cameron and is there we're back for the first time in about 3 weeks or so so we kind of had to do a little bit of a refreshing of Syracuse sports knowing that we're in the middle part of the summer and sports have kind of fallen off not just in Syracuse but around the country unless there's a you know a, a college that is jam packed in news of transfers and guys leaving and and you know whatsoever so we've done some digging we found a few topics and uh, Carter, I feel like they're, they're pretty good for what we have uh, this summer.
0: Yeah. And, and the good news is, is that if you're a Syracuse sports fan, you know that this is about as dry as it gets year round <laughs> because it is recruiting season. I mean, there is going to be some stuff that happens as this summer goes along in basketball and football. You remember last year as we got a little bit further into the summer, that was when the uh, class of 22 dominoes started to fall with uh Justin Taylor and the rest of those guys but you know unless you're a big uh, lightning or avalanche fan right now or you're a Celtics fan who's still not over it there's not a lot of sports news to go around right now but I think we found some pretty good stuff to talk about today Cam I'm feeling feeling good today
1: I'm feeling great I feel like we we got some things to talk about and why waste any more time let's get into topic number 1 number 1 think that the biggest storyline for this Syracuse or in Syracuse sports come maybe the summer or toward the end of the summer, as we veer into topic number one, had actually nothing to do with Syracuse and more to do with you could call a Syracuse affiliate. And that's Bayheim's army when they won the whole TBT and won that million dollar prize, Carter. And they just came out with their roster for 2022. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people looking at this roster say, okay, half of it, the, the guys didn't go to Syracuse. So is that cheating? Is that something that, you know, should Syracuse fans be upset that they're not recruiting more guys that actually graduated from Syracuse? When you look down the line at this roster, I mean, one guy, Marek Dolajai, who graduated a couple of years ago, he's on the roster. When you look at this TBT roster, do you think that this Syracuse team, Bayheim's Army? could win TBT for the second straight year?
0: Immediately, I'll, I'll say yes, and, and I'll get it a little more in depth. We'll, let's circle around to this because I think it's worth giving just a little bit of a brief refresher on what exactly it is we're talking about. I think there might be some Syracuse fans out there who, who don't know what this is. So TBT stands for the basketball tournament. It takes place this year between July 16th to August 2nd. Uh, Bayheim's army is the quote unquote Syracuse team, right? It's composed of a lot of former players and uh, it's basically, you know, collegiate alumni and uh, you know, fringe pro players who are competing in this tournament for, for possible professional visibility. And there is a cash prize at the end. So, um, you know, there's not a super competitive stakes on the line, but uh, Bayheim's army did win last year. Um, and, And the thing is part of your question was, you know, is it okay that a lot of these guys aren't Syracuse players? I say yes, because they do have kind of an SU flavor in there. They have Rakeem Christmas, who, you know, is pretty much the last major center recruit that the orange were able to net. And then Marek Dovajai, who feels like he was just here, you know, a season ago, he's coming back. Um, You know, there's plenty of uh, Syracuse guys on that team and it's not like they're going out and getting ringers. They're not, getting guys who could very well play in the NBA super easily. And they're, you know, they're on par with everybody else. So I don't have a problem that this team isn't a hundred percent Syracuse, but I also think they can, they can win this year, even though they don't have Kiefer Sykes, who, you know, was the the big uh, name last year, hit the game winner in the championship game, but they're getting another big contributor back in DJ Kennedy. So I think that their chances are really as good as any, because they've got a mix of, Guys who have played well in these tournaments, and you know, recent SU guys who are probably still in really good athletic shape, and you know, still just ready to go. So, you know, I think they've got about as good a chance as any to to repeat this year.
1: Another aspect of the TBT that I really enjoy is the Elam ending, where it, it, they don't play till time runs out; they'll play to a specific score. Uh, with a certain amount of time remaining, which I enjoy. And that's how Bayim's Army wanted the season to go with Kiefer Sykes, like you mentioned, hitting that three. Yeah, DJ Kennedy coming back for possibly ring number six in the TBT. I think it's fine that it's not made up of a majority of Syracuse players because you have guys like Tyler Ennis, Rakeem Christmas, CJ Fair, even an Andrew White and maybe even a Marek Dolajai, You have fan favorites, right? If you are a... Syracuse super fan you remember the days of Tyler Ennis when Syracuse was number one in the country you remember the assurgence of CJ fair when he was the lucky lefty of all uh, in the record books of Syracuse and and just. Of the lore of what SU basketball was when they were a top 10 team in the country. You remember a guy like Rakeem Christmas, even a Marek Dolejay who fought so hard for so many years. So yeah, I agree with you. I think it's fine. It's a it's not a majority of Syracuse players. Love the addition of Kyle Wilcher out of Gonzaga. He's a shooting presence. So you lose key for Sykes, but you bring in Wilcher a little more size. DeAndre Kane is another guy that's brought in with DJ Kennedy that has a whole lot of experience in the TBT. Going to hold my horses to say this team wins it. I predicted they'd win it last year and they did. But the reason I'm holding my horses on this season is you got to look at all the other rosters and know it's one and done. Right? This team loses a fluke game and they don't win it. It's one of those March Madness type tournaments where I don't think I can confidently say, based off the roster I see, okay, they can win it because you never know. And I know that's maybe the cop out answer, but I'm going to say that. I'm not 1,000% sure. I love the roster. Can they repeat? We'll see. Okay, let's head over to topic number two on fist 5. Number two. So now we're jumping into the world of football and less about what we're going to see in the fall and more about what we're not going to see in the fall and maybe even from years to come. It's not like Syracuse had ever had a stronghold of the Northeast, but it seems like they're losing a bit of their pull. Dino Babers and company is. Carter, are you worried that in-state recruits that are leaving New York and choosing other schools, almost like Tyreek Blanding, three-star, he chose Penn State just a couple days ago, are you worried that Syracuse is losing any magnet effect in the state of New York?
0: I'm definitely worried, but I wasn't at all surprised when uh, Tyreek Blanding announced that he was going to play for Penn State because it's not like it's anything new. We've been seeing this not only under Dino Babers, but basically all the way back since Paul Pasqualoni was on the sideline. You know, there was, There's been pieces and in investigative reporting basically written about what happened to Syracuse as a program. And a big part of why they suffered kind of a downturn ever since Donovan McNabb left is because the pipelines and the relationships they had with local high schools in New York and New Jersey dried up. So it's not like those schools stopped producing players. It's that SU stopped working as hard, I guess, to maintain relationships with those schools and kind of get the inside scoop on uh, who were the standouts on those teams. So, for example, Tyreek Blanding, a name we mentioned in this today and that we wrote about on Fizz yesterday, is a three-star defensive lineman. He's from Middle Village, New York. So he's not from all that far away. You know, latest example of this, he commits to Penn State just a few days ago. And, uh, you know, he's only a three-star, but that's not really the point. It's that he's the number one recruit in the state in this class, according to 24-7 Sports. And these are the types of guys, even if it's not, you know, a roaring kind of five stars at the top kind of in-pool, in-state pool of talent, is that Syracuse used to basically get their pick. Of these guys, not just in New York, but probably New Jersey as well. So Rutgers has gotten a little better. Penn State has always been Penn State. You know, it's not like these schools were twiddling their thumbs and losing back in the day, but Syracuse has had a problem, not just under Dino Babers, but for a while now with holding on to and getting talent. Because if you remember in the early signing period this year, they got Kyir Price who then flipped to Rutgers of all places. But then the Scarlet Knights also got Moses Walker, who was the top talent in New York as well. So it's not like Syracuse can get guys from either of those states. They're having to compete with schools that are, uh, that are in a little bit better shape program wise, and that have really upped the ante recruiting wise. So SU doesn't own a monopoly on this stuff anymore. And I know that has been hard to accept over the years, but since they don't, And because they're not winning, it's just harder and harder for them to entice these guys in the class because, you know, other places have a lot to offer them too now besides just being close to home.
1: I think what I'll add to that is I don't believe Syracuse has ever even had close to a monopoly. Knowing that the talent in New York has grown over time. And I think maybe just a couple of years ago, you wouldn't look at New York as a hub for top talent in the country. You'd look at Texas, California. So it's not like Syracuse has ever really had the best of the best to choose from because they really just recruit in the Northeast. I also think that Syracuse is focusing a little more on transfer portal, right? Bringing in Carlos Del Rio Wilson. And there's also a couple other guys that Syracuse has been able to get, like DeMarcus Adams, out of the the transfer portal. You talk about an in-state commit a defensive lineman like Rashard Perry or maybe even David Clement of Albany who committed as a tight end for 2023. Like, I don't think that Syracuse is losing out on what they used to have. I don't think the Orange have ever had that type of pull, especially over a team like Penn State where the Nittany Lions and their validity is so much higher because the success has been there. The only successful season for Syracuse in the you know near past, is 2018, which many would consider as one of the best years that Syracuse football has ever seen since the Donovan McNabb days. And now you have a guy like Sean Tucker. And now you bring going a transfer like Garrett Schrader, who played well last year. And now you got to fill that wide receiver room. And you think your defense is already good enough. And you bring in an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach. I think that Syracuse is focusing a bit more on filtering elsewhere rather than trying to land these in-state commits. and. To me, I don't feel like that's all too of a bad thing. It's an orange team that hasn't had a lot of success in the last four years, which is unacceptable for a program that is used to seeing success throughout all of its sports. So I, I don't think it's something to worry about because a team like Penn State and Rutgers, who you're right, they're better positioned in terms of their success, will always be on top of Syracuse unless they make a bowl game. So I just think the Orange are focusing a little more on what they can get from the transfer portal and what they can get from experienced players elsewhere, rather than looking straight into the state and saying, "Okay, we can get these guys that are really, really talented in state. So that's my viewpoint on that as we shift over to topic number three to talk a little bit of basketball.
0: Number three.
1: Okay, number three, Carter, I feel like we're going to go a little back and forth on this one because I have a lot to say. Five days ago, Dior Johnson, who many will remember, once committed to Syracuse with what felt like 15 years ago. It felt it feels like Dior Johnson committed to Syracuse when he was five, but instead I think he did it his sophomore year of high school, might have been his freshman year at this point. I forget because he's so he's been so irrelevant in Syracuse sports because a couple months after committing – He decommitted and then committed to Oregon and then he just decommitted and then five days ago (laughs) committed to Pitt. Thoughts on Dior Johnson's choice to play in the ACC and it not being Syracuse? Because when he committed to Oregon, it's like, okay, he'll be in the Pac-12. But now he's back in the ACC.
0: Well, this may be kind of a disappointing answer entertainment wise. And I think I may sound a little bit more like Jim Beheim here than some of our peers but i don't really think it's going to matter to syracuse that much as as dull an answer as that is i mean it's it's going to be easy and it's going to be a layup headline for those who write about syracuse pit right off the rip because i don't think either of those teams is going to be doing that well this season at least by the time they play each other so to see dior johnson in a panther uniform playing the orange team that he previously committed to you know that is a story um but his commitment flipping and destination seeking. It's something that we cannot understand from the outside. You know, we, we can try to speculate on it, but we're not Dior and we're not his family. And we're not pretending to know know, what he's been thinking. It's certainly been interesting to see him bounce around from, you know, New York to Oregon, and now this time back to Pennsylvania. But the thing is at Pitt, you know he he knows that he's probably going to get playing time. The Panthers under Jeff Capel have you know not been a very strong team. So not only is he going to play but he's going to get a chance to do it against some top teams in the conference like UNC and Duke so he can show out. You know if he plays well even though the team may not win, that's that's a good stock rising opportunity for him. And you know Syracuse is going to have to play him at the end of the day, you know unless he gets hurt or unless something unexpected happens and he's sitting the bench. Um, they're just going to have to take the opportunity, I guess, when it comes to the dome to show him a little bit of what he missed, right? Surely there were some legitimate reasons why he didn't come to Syracuse, but at the very least they can put on a good show at the dome and and pack the house. Um, Unless he just puts on an incredible campaign over at Pitt. I, I honestly think that we probably will not hear very much about him and he may not even stay at Pitt for very long. So I think that this is, you know, a a little thing on the radar for this season, but I'm not going to be the one to try and manufacture drama between uh, the orange and and Dior Johnson. I think that ship has sailed uh, long ago.
1: Dior Johnson is a one and done. That shouldn't be a one and done. He's the definition of that for everyone that doesn't know who Dior Johnson is, how he garnered so much of his looks from schools had some to do with this talent and his play and had a lot to do with his social media presence and his ability to sway an audience his way. He's a new era basketball type of player. He was a five-star, now he's dropped to a four-star. He switched schools about 35 times. He's from New York, and playing for Pitt, like you said, gives him playing time. I think the most interesting part of the Pitt Panthers coming in the next season is a guy like Nellie Cummings. Who went to the Dome and torched the Orange when Colgate played Syracuse. He's at Pitt. So Dior Johnson wraps up the last scholarship spot with the Pitt Panthers. And now you have two really talented, offensive-minded, under-six-foot-three point guards that you have to shuffle in between. So I think more for Syracuse is looking back to last year and say, okay, You look at Pitt. They've always been known for their defense. Now they're going to have a high powered offense, but I agree with you, Carter. I I mean, Dior Johnson, like I said, is the definition of a player that's going to go one and done that shouldn't go one and done. He's going to play well. He's not going to drop 25 a game, right? He'll be disappointing a little bit. And then he'll have that one good game that puts him up on the headlines and that'll be it. So I'm actually excited that Syracuse looked the other direction really quickly and didn't mole over losing Dior Johnson because Kadir Copeland is going to be a good point guard. I mean, you wouldn't have gotten Judah Mintz if Dior Johnson uh, committed to Syracuse and stayed there. And Joe Girard, he finally gets a senior season where he could be the spotlight player. Dior Johnson went to Syracuse. Dior would be the spotlight player. He'd make himself a spotlight player. So yeah, I agree with you. I don't see much of it, but I think it's a good talking point because Now every Orange fan gets to see Dior Johnson and gets to see him on the opposing end, you know, rather than waiting for the schedule to come out and maybe seeing Oregon for a chance to see Dior. So that'll be an interesting development. You're right. I'm not the type of person to manufacture drama anyway, but I'm curious if Pitt does come to the Dome, which I don't know. It might not be a team that Syracuse sees twice. I know most ACC teams, the Orange do. I hope he comes to the Dome. I hope Syracuse fans make some T-shirts uh in in light of D or committing, i think that would be funny but other than that carter i agree with you i, I don't see much of it okay set over to topic number four we're going to stay in the basketball realm number four okay topic number four here on fizz five we're wrapping things up we're staying with basketball but we're focusing on a player that did commit and come to syracuse and has since now left and is vying for a spot on an NBA team as the NBA draft looms large. Carter, Buddy Beheim was one of the best scorers in Syracuse basketball history, which many didn't expect he would be, led the ACC in scoring a season ago. Do you believe that he will be drafted in this upcoming NBA draft? Well... (laughs) <laughs> That's not a good start. I'm not like liking the start. It's the question <laughs> of the day, right?
0: It's burning on the minds of everybody who's a big fan of Buddy and or his uh, breakfast cereal. But he wasn't invited to the NBA Combine back in May. And uh, since then, he's kind of floated around, did some workouts for the Knicks. And the draft is in only a couple of days. So, you know, based on the news cycle, I would say my answer to that question directly is that At least in my opinion, I would say I kind of don't feel like he'll be drafted, to be quite honest with you. I I just, for whatever reason in my gut, I feel like he may just miss out. If he does, and listen, I would not be surprised if he does, it would be like very late, right? Late round pick. Because I just, I I don't know. People, it was conditional heading into his last season that if he played the way he did in his junior season tournament in March Madness when he just cooked – San Diego state and West Virginia, and just carried that team all the way into that deep tournament run. If he kept that pace of play up and was really that game changing kind of shooter, his senior year, I think he would have had a really good claim to have been drafted probably in like the mid rounds, right. At the very least, but his senior year, he had a good season, but it wasn't like that. He was not like a game changing shooter. He was like a second team, all ACC kind of guy, you know, had some games where he was not that visible against some better competition. And I think as, as sad as it is that if it was hot expectations that were too high or whatever else that it probably hurt him a little bit with regards to, you know, a pro look and cam, I'm I'm definitely interested to throw this back to you and get your opinion as a guy who follows the NBA a little bit more closely than I do, but even after leading the orange in, in multiple offensive categories, I, I just, he's not a high pick. And to me, he just screams, you know, the look of a guy who, you know, may have to take it to Europe or something to, to, to shore up some skills and, and get some better looks against, you know, kind of the semi pro competition, you know, what do you think? Yeah,
1: Buddy Bayham won't get drafted. There's only two rounds in the NBA draft, only 60 picks. The fact that it wasn't, invited to the NBA Draft Combine doesn't freak me out at all as a, if I was a Buddy Beheim super fam. But the biggest part of Buddy Beheim's game that has to improve is defense. And unfortunately, when you go to Syracuse and you play the 2-3 zone, you do not see one-on-one stride-by-stride type defense when a LeBron James is going downhill on you. Can you make that first step and cut him off? I don't think Buddy Beheim can He'll be guarding the three. He'll be playing the three. And he'd be an efficient shooter. 36% over what was it four years at college from three-point range? And he's known as a three-point shooter. That can't fly. Only 41% from the field. Like his free throw percentage is there. But if he can't be efficient and he can't be that everyday scorer, it'll almost be like what the Heat treated Dunk like treated Duncan Robinson like this past year, where he was a defensive liability and his offense wasn't efficient enough to put him on the court against a really good whatever now I'm forgetting the team they played in the playoffs like a Celtics team Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson never played because he was a defensive liability and he just unless he dropped 30 a game it couldn't account for the third he was giving up on the other end of the floor I just think Buddy Bayheim is a G League guy that will develop and that's like the development league that will develop and maybe find himself on a roster as a 14th or 15th guy. Also, he might not even be able to be that because I don't think he is a vocal leader per se. Yes, he was a vocal leader on a Syracuse team, but can he you know, be a Chris Chiosa or a guy on the Warriors that was the 15th player and never played but won a championship because he'd hype up Draymond Green? No, I think Buddy would just sit there and hope for playing time. I think he can be vocal. But can he be a vocal leader? So that's why I struggle with Buddy Beheim. I don't think he can be a first five guy on a team. I don't think he could be a backup guy unless his defense got better and he could be more efficient from the fields. And I just don't see him as a 10 through 15 guy because I don't think he can be that vocal leader. So that's my opinion on Buddy Beheim. I think at – I don't want to say at worst, but at, at mid level, he's like a Luke Kennard. And I thought Kennard got paid way too much by the Clippers this past season, where if he can get better on defense and he utilizes his height on the offensive end, yes. But at his best, and this is like Hall of Fame Buddy Beheim, he's like a Clay Thompson. But the issue is Buddy Beheim doesn't have a good first step on the offensive side. If he makes that catch, he turns his back to the basket, he has to attack downhill. So, and how much,
0: how much do you think that he can create his own shot? Cause I didn't, I see, a lot of that. I didn't see a whole lot of that in his senior year. Yeah.
1: Carter, whenever he caught the ball and he didn't have an open shot, his first move was to jab step and then turn his back to his defender in the basket. So he wouldn't get stripped or dribble into the paint where there was nothing and take a fade away. If you can attack downhill off your first step. Great. If you can't, then you can't. And I got Luke Kennard and Clay Thompson and Duncan Robinson. I think they are. Oh, I know Clay Thompson is a better defender, but those other two, I think they've they've matured into okay defenders. I just don't see where that comes into uh, comes into fact in terms of Bayheim's career. I think maybe in five or six years he could be a good one on one defender, but not now. So no, I don't think he'll get drafted. I don't think he'll go to Europe either. I think he goes to the G League, plays there for a couple of years, gets the call-up for a game, gets dropped back down, and he's one of those, you know, toggle in between the, the minors and the majors type player. So that's why I see Bayheim landing. And the draft is on the 23rd of June. So a couple of days when we're recording this, whenever this comes out, but June 23rd is the draft. Best case, Buddy Bayheim gets drafted 55 through 60. And I wouldn't want that for him. I want him to face the adversity of not getting drafted if he's not good enough to play in the NBA. So that's where I like, okay, let's wrap up this five with our fifth topic of the day. Number five, we're sticking with basketball here on Fizz five as we're reaching the end. Carter, who should the Qs be honing in on in the class of 2023 for basketball, knowing that this was probably the biggest recruiting class. Syracuse's ever had with six new guys and knowing the freshmen coming in this year will be sophomores next year but if you had to look into the class of 2023 you know where does Syracuse need to shore things up
0: well they sure took a lot of big swings in this class I mean after last year they came into this one and you know window shopping in the class of 23 like a big paycheck just hit we've been writing a lot of articles on the fizz about guys like Aiden Holloway and Blue Kane and Isaiah Miranda, who at this point seem pretty out of reach for them. I mean, there's nothing wrong with kicking the tires on some of the top guys in the class, but, you know, it's time for them to move on from guys like that. And to me, the one that they're now focusing on, and there have been reports that they're doing so, is uh, JP Estrella. So they're apparently, the Orange are, in near daily contact with him. So Estrella, 6'11", three-star center for Brewster Academy out of New Hampshire started out unranked, you know, it kind of had that Peter Carey vibe to him, but has since shot up prospect lists. And uh, according to 24 seven sports, if you listen to them is that it's basically a, a two horse race now between SU and Duke. So if you remember the Kyle Filipowski stuff last summer, it's kind of a familiar situation. It's a little bit of deja vu, right? Duke won that one. Uh, They got Filipowski. SU, meanwhile, is trying to visualize life after Jesse Edwards. So Estrella, guy with the size to play at the five. And, you know, all they've got behind Edwards right now is Peter Carey and this new class as a freshman. And then, you know, Munir Hima through the transfer portal, who, you know, didn't play a ton. So, you know, I think if they focus on Estrella, Try to get him in this upcoming class. They can have a little bit of a future plan at center if they develop him right and capitalize on that talent. Maybe they have a, you know a transfer come in to split a little time and then yield the floor. But out of all the guys that they have tried to get in this class, I think they have the most realistic chance if they focus on him with Estrella if they chose to go that route.
1: I like Estrella a lot, and I like that you're veering off the beaten path of looking at the top five stars in the top in the class because Syracuse is not landing them, especially with six recruits coming in in the fall. I mean, Every recruit is either looking at the NBA G League or saying, where can I get playing time? Unfortunately, Syracuse is not where you can get the playing time. Uh, there's a couple recruits that I think Syracuse missed out on, but I'm not surprised that they went. Elsewhere, I mean, a DJ Wagner, you were never going to get him. He's been to Kentucky and Memphis and has has an offer from Syracuse. He's looking at Kentucky, like I already mentioned, and and Louisville. You were never going to get him. He's number one player in the class. That was never going to happen. So I'm glad that everyone kind of shifted off that. Gavin Griffiths, I wrote about him on our wish list for for 2023. Go to our website, orangefizz.net, for for more on basketball recruiting. He committed to Rutgers, so he's out of here. Uh, Gigi Jackson's off to North Carolina. Uh, You already talked about Isaiah Miranda, who's top 30 in the class, and he has 17 offers. He's already been to Kentucky and USC. He's not coming to Syracuse. Papa Conte, who's from New York, took an official visit, unofficial, pardon me, last August to Syracuse. I think that's the one guy that is still at the top of the list. That's very, very talented that I don't think Syracuse would lay him, but outlandish take. I think that's the one that Syracuse would love to have. It's a combat answer. I think I've already given it on fitness five before. If it's not Estrella or if you don't look for a center, because I think you got your point guard set with Judah and Kadir. I don't think those two are, and maybe even Simir, depending on how many years of eligibility he has left. In terms of those, right? You don't really need to go out for point guards if they stay. And that's if they stay, but I think they will. I think Syracuse is already prepped for the future. I think if you get a few guys out of the transfer portal, and I think that's what's going to happen next season, I think they're going to get maybe one recruit and it's not even going to be a talented one. So if I was every Syracuse fan, I would focus a little less on 2023, focus more on 2022 and the performance of the players that are on the court and already rocking orange and see where that takes them. Yes, I know, Carter, that's a cop-out answer and I'm really good at giving them. But if it's not (sighs) J.P. Estrella or if it's not someone that can man the center position, I think you just gotta pray that Syracuse holds on to the players they already have. Because you just got six talented recruits. You know why go out and try to upset a couple of your current recruits? You never know they could pull a Dior Johnson, right? Pull, pull a Darius Baisley. You don't want a five star coming to Sy- coming, quote unquote coming to Syracuse and then decommitting. So that's where I lie with it. I think you have to focus more on uh, on holding the recruits you have now rather than looking too far ahead. Uh, any, any party words, Carter, you're on fifth five.
0: I didn't have a problem with that answer (laughs) because if you do get a, you know, some hotshot recruit in this upcoming class, you, you risk dividing playing time. And if you end up with too many good players and none of them get enough minutes, I mean, you could end up with none of them after a year. Right. I mean, you got to make sure in this era that you, you satisfy the guys who you've committed to and, uh, that you've told are going to play.
1: Yeah, you, know, you got to sustain what you have before you prepare for the future. That's my take on Syracuse basketball knowing the the blurry future of, of Jim Beheim, Right, so that can't even be a polling point. So, we'll see where that takes Syracuse basketball, but that'll wrap things up here on Fizz 5. Make sure you check out our website orangefizz.net for all the latest on Syracuse sports and recruiting including football, basketball, we've thrown thrown out some lacrosse as well. And you can learn anything you want or get an in depth look of anything you want from Syracuse sports and a time where sports aren't really at the top of the pedestal in the Syracuse world. So we'll see where where all our takes go. We'll see if the TBT, Bayheim's army team will do well. We'll see if Buddy Bayheim gets drafted in a few days, but we're going to have to wait and see before we can make any of those distinct proclamation so for carter bainbridge i'm cameron he's there. this has been another edition of fizz five we'll join you back in around three weeks or so but you could enjoy our filtering fizz hosts, as you would say uh and we will catch you in a couple of weeks so carter this has been fun and this has been another edition of fizz five presented by orange fizz and that's your fizz five listen next
0: week Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.